Warning, great marriage advice ahead. Marriage on the Rocks is not a licensed marriage counseling service. Our opinions and methods work for us, so your results may vary. Hey everyone, welcome to our 19th episode of Marriage on the Rocks. I'm Crystal. And I'm Seth. Every week we have a drink with our discussion, and this week we chose to do a mixed drink. Um, It's called a ragdoll. Yeah, it's got uh, cherry 7-up vodka and watermelon pucker. Yeah, is that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. just that, just those three. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks kind of gross. Yeah, it's p- pretty tasty, but really strong. It's very strong. Yeah, it's very strong. Uh huh. But yeah, it, it tastes kind of. It tastes like a watermelon Jolly Rancher. Yeah, I think. it does. Um, who knows how the episode's gonna go <laughs> after this drink? But yeah, I don't think I can drink it very fast. Oh uh, yeah. Um, so last week we 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 told you guys that we're gonna be doing a three part series. So last week we talked about um, signs that you may be unhappy, and this week we're gonna we're gonna talk about the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Um, we put together kind of a, another list, like how we did last week, of different things, like again different signs that it is the beginning of the end. Um, so the first one that we wanted to discuss was that you don't share anything with your partner anymore you don't talk to them you don't um confide in them and you don't even tell them small things i guess Mm -hmm. well i think that a lot of times you'll have kind of a a daily routine recap where you get home at night or whatever and you talk about your day and what happened at work or, or whatever it is and even though that can be routine, that's I don't know if I would say that that's good or bad, but when it stops and you, you just can't seem to have those simple conversations anymore uh, because either you feel your partner doesn't care or it's not worth your time to talk about or communicate about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that it can translate to, to a lot of different stuff. I mean, I think that if, if you find yourself where you're like, Oh, didn't I, didn't I tell you that? Mm-hmm. Like about like major stuff or, or whatever stuff is. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Cause like even like sometimes I would, cause sometimes the partner doesn't really doesn't listen mm-hmm. to those things and you really did tell them that, you know, whatever, even if it was a big thing, I told you about that, you know, even big stuff though, like major stuff. Sometimes. Like if so and so is getting divorced or so and so cheated on somebody, I think that stuff like that, that, yeah, that would kind of stick out. I mean, uh-huh. if it's, I don't know, especially if it's somebody or some people or group that's directly connected to you. Uh-huh. I think sometimes, yeah, it's you know, you start when you come home and you talk about people you work with that the other person doesn't know uh-huh. or can't relate to, and yeah. then you start telling them what Sharon did, and then. I think some people tend to tune that out. I'm like, well, I don't know Sharon. I don't care about Sharon. Uh-huh. And then it's like, well... Well, but then but then it may go to... They turn, they start tuning everything out. Right. Though. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to listen to you at all. And so, I don't know. It's it's like one person is trying, the other one isn't. Which, yeah. But, um, but yeah, you don't, you don't share with them. Um... And I know, I know for me, I don't know if I didn't share a lot mm-hmm. with my ex or, but like, 
I think that I chose like what to share with mm-hmm. him, and uh, I don't know. I think that I don't know if that was a sign of the beginning of the end at that point for yeah. me. Well, I I I quit sharing in my previous relationship just because it was for for a few reasons. I think one, she didn't. She, I don't think she really cared about what I did, mm-hmm. and so I just felt that there really wasn't a point talking about it. And I think that, and I, I, I don't think she necessarily did that, but I know that if you're in a relationship where one of your part, your partner is trying to one up you, mm-hmm. like, oh, here's the day I had. Let me tell you about this. And I'm like, oh, you think you had a bad day? Yeah. Well, let me tell you. And instead of just letting them have that opportunity, so those things kind of make so you then shut you down. Kinda, yes, yeah, and you're like, well, stuff. there's no point in even talking about well, it. Well, I guess I guess I'm wrong because I know I rem- I do remember feeling like I wasn't being heard or listened to, mm-hmm. and I remember feeling like, well, what's the point of even talking right. if you're not gonna listen to me? And it what and I don't know because I remember like even we would be around friends. Mm-hmm. And I would try to say something, and like my ex and another one of our friends would be talking about something else and not listening to me. Oh, I'm like well, that's kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the next one is you lose respect. Yep, I definitely lost respect for my ex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I mean for me it was, I guess, easy to lose respect from from him because of the drug use and um, alcohol abuse and all that. And it was almost like, well, if he doesn't care about himself, why should I care about him too? Why mm-hmm. should I care? Even though <laughs> I guess I did care care about him to the very end to, you know, want to help him to get off of drugs and alcohol and everything. Mm-hmm. But... I just, I still didn't have that respect, though. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you can, it's, I don't, you, you hear people use the res- the term respect loosely or all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I, I don't think people really understand the definition of respect or it's kind of the opposite of, you know, you hear it in movies, I don't like you, but damn it, I respect the hell out of you. You know, you hear it in that connotation, but I think it goes the other way where it's like, I do care about you, but I don't respect you. Yeah. Um, and I think you see that in relationships of people that you're very close with. I think, you know, it may be a family. It may, you know, somebody that was in an abusive household where their, their dad beat them. You know, so, well, I still love my dad, but I have zero respect for him. Yeah. Um, or if somebody, like, cheats on someone, like, I, you know, you could still love them or whatever. Well... Like me from the outside looking in, I don't know if I was actually in that situation, if I could ever right. love them still, mm-hmm. but I don't respect the decision that they made by cheating. Right. You know? Well, and I think that when it, when it comes to, to the, to the respect piece, it's not, I think some of it is, did you ever really respect the person to begin with? Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes the answer is yes. I had, you know, people say mutual respect. I think that, you know, when, when I use the term respect, I mean somebody that, you know, I would want to, that's kind of has that hat and that they're kind of a role model type of person or I would be, my behavior would be reflective of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
whenever, you know, and I think you can equate that to relationships and friendships and coworkers or whatever it is. But I think that if I look back to relationships, I don't know if, if like getting into the beginning of relationship, if people are really like, you know, I really respect this person I'm with. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, guys use the term respect in a relationship initially as, you know, chivalrous and yeah. whatever. Like, well, I respect you too much to do that, which, okay, you're you're probably going to go straight to the friend zone if you always have that attitude. But um, I think that's a different type of respect mm-hmm. than seeing someone who either disrespects you or disrespects themselves. And that's kind of when it really comes to light and you're like, hmm. And I know, I know in, in my previous relationship, there was, um, I think there was kind of, there was, there were signs and, and actions that were saying she didn't really respect me. She didn't respect my opinion. She didn't respect my voice when I would ask her to not do stuff or not, mm-hmm. you know, not hang out with, you know, a bunch of male coworkers or whatever I was requesting of her to do. She, she didn't respect my voice mm-hmm. at all. But then I think one of the big, but even then, I wasn't. I wasn't like I feel so disrespected. Mm-hmm. It was just like, quit acting this way. It really. I didn't really equate it to respect at the time, but I know that once we had moved, and I, I was always. I say breadwinner. I wasn't the breadwinner. I always made more. Mm-hmm. I was always paid more than she was for probably the first ten years of our marriage, um, and then when I lost my job. And didn't work for seven months and had to start at the very bottom of a company as a security guard. That was when, not only while I was unemployed, of course she was making more. Mm -hmm. But then when I finally got a job, I don't think she respected my job. I don't think she respected, because I didn't. Yeah. I didn't respect it. I hated having to do that. Um, And I'm sure that was very evident in my humbling experience of starting out at that level. Mm -hmm. But I think that she lost respect for me out of that. Because it was kind of that... Yeah, I could just kind of tell, like around her coworkers, and when she the getting invited to things with her started to go away, because uh, I think she was embarrassed. Yeah, like and, the Christmas parties and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that it was kind of embarrassing for her to have to, and I was embarrassed myself. Mm-hmm. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really fault her because I was embarrassed. Yeah, but there wasn't this attitude of. Well, he's doing what he has to do. Yeah. Um, I know. Well, and that's funny because, like, I think that that some people would respect a person like that just because you are you were trying to do what was best for your family. Yeah. You know, and they would say that that is, you know, I, I respect you for that or mm-hmm. I commend you for that. Well, and... and in that situation, I could have made the decision of not working at all uh-huh. and and not take a job I was embarrassed about mm-hmm. and just say, well, I'll wait till the best opportunity arises mm-hmm. or do what I knew I had to do for my family and take a job I didn't want to take mm-hmm. doing a profession I had zero interest in or wanted to do at all, which ultimately that ended up being... The best career wise, <laughs> the best decision I ever made. Well, career wise, the best decision. And yeah, I wouldn't have met you if I hadn't have done it. Yeah, like everything just turned out mm-hmm. so much better just by making that one decision yeah. to take. Which that at job. the time was awful. Yeah, it was an awful decision. Well, I felt not that it was an awful decision, but I felt awful about it. Yeah. Um, but I think going through that, that that's when I really 
if somebody said, well, when can you pinpoint she lost respect for you? That I think that was it when mm-hmm. I, when I lost my job and I, I, I got laid off. I didn't, I wasn't an idiot and got fired or something like that. Mm-hmm. I actually, they did cutbacks and they laid off middle management and I was one of the middle managers to go. Yeah. I know it's kind of, and like you said last week, like we both bring a different perspective to mm-hmm. it because I was the dumper and you were the dumpy. Right. And yeah, I was the one that lost respect for my ex mm-hmm. and I guess she was the one that lost respect for you, but you didn't really, do you think you had respect for See, her See, that, that's the thing is I don't, I, I think I, I kind of have, I, I've talked about it before on here. I have a weird, I, I, I tend to use the word respect associated to different stuff mm-hmm. um, than normal people or maybe some of its now meaning that people throw out there because mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think I, I, I think I always probably associated it with someone I looked up to yeah. was like respect, but not... Not like my friends or oh yeah I respect my friend a lot I just, uh-huh. I just I don't I just don't look at it that way and uh-huh. I don't know why I don't know what's wrong with that but yeah. I just don't use it that way I guess right uh huh um, the next one and we we mentioned it a little bit last week but I think that it's important to to say again this week but um, rarely having sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember exactly what we said last well, week. Well, we, we talked about it kind of where you, where you find, because last week we really took the approach of, you know, everything we talk about is completely fixable. Mm-hmm. And, but you need to be aware of it, notice it when it happens, because it can get out of control. And so I think the intent last week was really talking about your sex life dwind, kinda, dwindling down. Yeah, lowering um, or... And if you're the one not wanting to have sex, why? Mm-hmm. And you're, if you're the one that's not getting the sex you used to have, why not? Uh-huh. Um, but I think when we look at it this way, it you know if, if you started to go down some of the paths we probably talked about on the sex episode we did of, you know, you were having sex, you know, four to five times a week, and then it was you know two to three times, and then it was you know, once or once a week and then once a month and then once every six months or whatever, if you've, if you've hit that point where it's like, oh my gosh, we, you know, I can count on one hand the amount of sex we have in a year. Yeah. Um, that, that's the, that is the beginning of the end. And the, the beginning of the end is once again, I know I use this term a lot, but it's relative. The beginning of my end started two years into a 12 year marriage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jeez. Not the last two years. It yeah. was the the first two years were great, and then the next ten were pretty rough, and and slow, and slowly got worse and worse and worse. Um, but I think when it happens over such a long time frame like that, you don't re- until you reflect back, you don't realize how the drastic difference. It's like a it's like a transformation photo you do on Facebook, mm-hmm. but. You, you didn't have the power to do that with your relationship, mm-hmm. you know, where if you could take this perfect snapshot of, of a young, you know, juvenated, you know, perfect relationship and then put 10 years of letting it go, just like you see people let themselves go right. and get to the point where it's like, oh, I don't even look like the same person. It's the same thing with your relationship. This isn't even the same relationship we started off with. Yeah, that's, that's a good analogy mm-hmm. to look at it that way. Um I know. It just... Well, okay, but back to the... Yeah, but over the course of that, um, you know, you went from, you know, a a decent amount of sex Uh to now 10 years down the road. And my point behind it was the relative piece is 
beginning and end can be at different points for different people. Uh-huh. It can be, you know, the last six months of their relationship. Uh-huh. Or it could be like mine, where it was the last ten years. Uh, hopefully, for your sake, it's the last six months. Yeah. Because that's more like a Band-Aid, ripping it off, instead of going through this ten-year misery phase that... I know. You know I know. I don't know how long it was for me, the beginning of the end. Jeez, uh, probably, I would say about five years. Mm-hmm. Five years it was pretty Well, and, and, and I think that that's where, if, if, I look, if I look back, you know, I, it's not that, you know, the list of ten things we're going to talk about today all happened after 24 months of marriage. Mm-hmm. One of them probably happened, and mm-hmm. then, you know... Probably one for each ten. <laughs> one each year happened, and then it yeah. added where it just started off as, well, it's one thing, I can I can put up with this, or yeah. we'll work through that. Or, or once again, I, I say hopeful a lot. I was hopeful that things would get back to normal. Yeah. Um, and you can cling on to hope for a very long time. Yeah, you can. I did it for a decade, and if she hadn't left me, I probably would have done it for a decade and, and a half at least. Until Seth was yeah. 18 and mm-hmm. out of the house or whatever. I know. Um, and and that's, that brings up a, another, well, another good point and another, um, uh, one of our, on our list is one-sided. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes one-sided. One, it, or it could <clears throat> become one-sided and one person always trying and the other one isn't. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, that, yeah, and I think, I think it really completely relates to the issues that people have where they're not having sex, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's for all kinds of stuff. I mean, you brought it up in the communication piece yeah. where one person tries to share and one doesn't, uh-huh. where one person feels like they're contributing to a relationship in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And one isn't, you know, if you're that goes back to that giver and taker thing we talked about very early on mm-hmm. in the podcasts that, uh. You know, if you if you start to really just realize that, man, I'm I'm I am the giver, mm-hmm. and they aren't giving anything back at all; they're just taking. It's it's a it's a pretty sombering feeling when you realize that the relationship is completely one sided. Yeah, um, you're the only one that wants to do stuff. You're the only one that seems to care. You're the only one that's action speaks louder than their words, and you're the only one that's you know trying to engage you know intimately or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and your partner's not. So if you find yourself in that one side of relationship, that's, you know, it's, that's a really good sign. It's the beginning of the end. I mean, I, I talked about it last week on some of those other marriage group pages, mm-hmm. the amount of women that are, you know, talking about their husbands, mm-hmm. that if you're the one that's researching what's wrong in your marriage and you're the one that's looking for a solution to fix your marriage and the other one could give a rat's ass, that I don't know what other thing has to slap you in the face that it's one-sided and it's probably not going to change. I know. Well, you know what's funny though is like for me, and I guess <laughs> maybe it was it maybe it was the beginning of the end of oh, oh maybe even um, sooner than I thought in my old relationship because I do remember being the only one trying mm-hmm. all the time and trying to do stuff, trying to do fun things, and and just. I remember him not doing anything Mm -hmm. at all. But then, you know, the last five years of the relationship, maybe not, maybe not five years, maybe a couple years. um, I remember him being the one trying. Yeah. And me just giving up. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's not fair. It's not fair either way. Right. It's not. But I think that's where 
you know, two people aren't in sync and mm-hmm. one gets burned out and then the other one realize, and the other one ends up being the too little too late. Yeah. You can't wait to put forth effort this far in after the other one's already given up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's really hard to get back on track because then if, if you're the person that neglected the relationship and then realized you had mm-hmm. and you try to fix it, but if the other one's already given up, now your task is you have to get them to want to reinvest when they probably don't trust you that it's going to be a worthwhile investment anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because they feel that they got slighted and they were the only one working on the relationship. And now, now you care. Now you care yeah. when I don't. Uh-huh. Um, That's how I was. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then it's for the, for the, the one that started caring and then didn't anymore. It just feels like a useless effort on their part. Like you don't, you know, this isn't going to last. You really don't care that much or you would have started caring when I did. <laughs> yeah. So. I know. Yeah. Uh, the next one is you dread wanting to hear from your partner, be around your partner, anything to do with your partner you mm-hmm. you dread. Well, yeah, and, and you see it's amazing when I when we when we started looking at that and talking about it. At first I was like, what? But then I start thinking back to people I've met or people we've known or people we've worked with or been around that they get a text and they're like, God, it's my partner that they just did not want to hear from. They didn't want to text them back. They didn't want to talk to them. They didn't want to communicate with them at all. You know, so it kind of ties into the first one Uh of you're not communicating, you're not sharing, but then you, you just, it's almost like you're so sick of the person that you have like this kind of mini panic attack or anxiety when they want to talk to you. I know. Well, and I did it all the time with mm-hmm. my ex. And I mean, we, we kind of talked about it last week. And I, like he would call and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like what the heck? What dude? now? Yeah, yeah. What now? And you know, just from your guys' perspective, looking at me, mm-hmm. you probably thought like either one is he that big of an idiot mm-hmm. or is she just a bitch? Right. Well, and I think that, yeah, most people seeing that, and, and you've talked about it with girls you've worked with mm-hmm. at other places where, you know, when I would call you and you would light up and you'd be happy to hear from me and we would talk and have a good conversation and you would laugh and, mm-hmm. you know, we never had a, a bad conversation where we were trying to get off the phone with one another unless something from work was happening and we had to pay attention to that. But you worked with girls at the phone and, what? Yeah. Is how they would answer. What do you want? Uh-huh. What's going on? Can this wait? Or they'd answer, you know I'm at work. I can't talk right now. I mean, and yeah. it would just be this. And so, of course, if you're the coworker, you're like, geez, what a bitch. Yeah. But are they or are the, is their partner just an idiot? Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> you can look at it from that perspective uh, yeah, exactly. and say, um, I think the examples we give, they probably were bitches, though. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Definitely. But, yeah, I just remember, I remember feeling... Mm-hmm. So dreadful. Well, and I, I know I, I had guys that, you know, because I was, I was in the military for quite a while before cell phones even were really a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember when they were coming out and we started getting them and we had them and we would go on trips and stuff like that. And somebody's phone would ring and they'd look at it and just wouldn't even answer it and move it aside. And I know that that my ex did that to me multiple times because... By the time I was out of the military and she was traveling, 
she always had her phone on her because she had to for work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she'd be off in Vegas for two weeks and I'm trying to call her at night or, you know, it's time for little Seth to go to bed and he wants to call and tell her good night or whatever and she won't answer the phone. And then, you know, the next day, hey, why'd you call me eight times last night? I was like, well, your, your, your seven-year-old was trying to tell you good night for two hours or whatever it was, uh-huh. you know. Um, oh, and I'm sure she probably thought that you were trying to do, like, do that on purpose. Or... Right. Well, and part of it was she wouldn't talk to me at all uh-huh. or wouldn't want to talk to me because she was like, well, you got to leave me alone and you need to trust me and all this. But the the not answering your phone and not communicating with your partner who already has a problem with you being gone is not the best way to build trust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so did I use his bedtime as an excuse to see if she would answer the phone? Oh, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I did because I wanted to see if she would answer when he was calling. Mm-hmm. And most of the time she wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I used it as something to throw in her face mm-hmm. because it's like, well, you don't want to talk to me. You could at least want to talk to your son. So I tried to give her a guilt trip about it. <laughs> um, and it wasn't all, you know, sincere, and I wasn't always the, the good guy behind it. Yeah. But it was... It was still just, you know, trying to reach out. But I think that it's just she was feeling the dread on her end because uh-huh. she didn't want to talk to me. Yeah. So she was the one that was like, Ugh. she was doing what my the guys I worked with did, uh-huh. um, and shoving the phone away or hitting end or turning it no off more. and doing. Oh, my battery died. I yeah. mean, that that was always the big excuse. Uh-huh. Well, I was on my I had my phone at work and I didn't get a chance to charge it before we went out to dinner and then it was just dead. So I left it in my room all uh-huh. night. It's like okay, well. You got off work at four, and I stayed up until two, and you couldn't return any call at all? So how late were you out? So then it became this lead-in for a fight, because I was looking for a fight, because I disagreed with what how she was behaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was just kind of the lead-in that I would use. But, yeah. but once again, she was the one that was that was in the dread. And I know that whenever I was really late to get into the texting game, I just mm-hmm. thought it was pointless and dumb well and she always had her phone on her otherwise like yeah that was the thing she answered the phone and responded to everybody else that tried to reach Mm -hmm. out to her except me yeah um so that was another trust issue yeah Uh uh-huh um that well that goes this goes directly into the next one which is fighting all the time Mm -hmm. and it's about little stuff like that yep i mean it at the time it's little and whatever but it seemed bigger yeah. Than that. When when you're the one that's when you're the one that doesn't trust your partner and you think that they're up to no good, and especially with with people like myself that have a very active imagination mm-hmm. and start thinking worst case scenarios, you know, you, you need to if you understand and realize that your partner's like that, you you need to I don't I'm not saying you need to coddle them, mm-hmm. but you need to be a little reassuring mm-hmm. that where they, they do trust you. And people, when you start saying things like trust people and stuff like that, it's like I'm one of those people that I don't really think about if I trust you or not until I'm like, wait. <laughs> Should I not trust this person uh-huh. or what? It's not one of those things where I'm immediately like, oh, I trust you. I'm going to tell you everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm more you got to earn trust from me, mm-hmm. but not the way that... 
people are like, I'm going to shut everybody out until I trust you. Yeah. I just, I never really thought if I could trust her or not until she was doing things that made me think I couldn't. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, well, I didn't know how to react to it. Well, how, you got to give me something to work with here where I can know I trust you. And it was just the typical, you know, rhetoric of, well, you just trust me because you're supposed to. But, I'm your wife. Yeah, but your actions are saying otherwise. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so I think that whenever you're in that position, fighting starts to become almost a necessity because it's almost like publicity. Whether it's good or bad, it's still good. <laughs> and that's how it was. If, if you're not communicating, at least bad communication is still communication. I know. And so it's like, well, if I can at least get on the phone with her for an hour and fight, at least I know she's not actively cheating on me at this moment because we're screaming at each other on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll worry about when the conversation's over how that goes after that. Uh-huh. But at least for now, we can fight about it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that when you start seeing that that increase in fights especially if you haven't fought before that much and it was minimal and now you're fighting all the time why Mm -hmm. well and chances are it's one of the reasons we talked about last week Mm -hmm. um and it all it all boiled down to this yeah and it all boiled down to that and and a lot of it is typically you can point to one or two real reasons as to why you're fighting about 50 different things Mm -hmm. and none of them are connected except to that one or two things that's really the big problem i know yeah, it always ends up be- coming from something that you should have talked about in the beginning, mm-hmm. and it just blows up, right? And gets out of control. And I mean, I know that that's how it was for for me and my ex. Well, we and it goes back all the time. To what we talked about last week was being irritated, and you were irritated with your ex, mm-hmm. and so because you didn't respect him, and you were getting more and more irritated. It was causing you to see and notice more flaws, and that would lead to more fights. Mm-hmm. And so you start having this increase of, uh, I mean, do, do you ever look back now, and, and or even when you're in it and saying, like, I don't remember the last day we didn't, like, argue about something. Well, I remember, like, counting days. Like uh, like the OSHA thing? Like, we've gone this many days without yeah, an incident? Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even joking. Wow. How many would you make? I don't remember. Not very many? Oh, maybe, maybe like a couple weeks, Mm. but that was whenever you were working and he was working, you wouldn't see each other that much, but if you were forced to be around each other, you would fight. Yeah. That's another one I love where people are like, I don't fight with my spouse. And you're like, well, yeah, you work night shift and they work day shift and you work weekends. Yeah. Like live together, but don't. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you don't fight. You don't ever see each other. Uh Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we would fight. Mm Mm-hmm all the time and I felt bad for I mean looking back now I feel bad for our neighbors that we had and I remember even like because you got tattoos from one of your old neighbors neighbors, Mm -hmm. and he told you how much we fought oh yeah yeah that was embarrassing but at least I'm out of the relationship right yeah you know (laughs) yeah um the next one oh oh yeah so going along with um with fighting with fighting also not fighting and we like because for us like me and Seth we don't fight and it's it's not that we don't fight because we don't care enough about the relationship to fight for it I mean you hear you hear some of those bullshit you know well I fight for us and 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 there's all these articles out there that talk about you know not fighting is unhealthy and and all this and I I believe that if you are a typical normal bickering couple and all of a sudden it stops, 
that may be a bad sign. Yeah. But if you're not a bickering couple and you don't fight, not fighting is not a bad sign yeah. that your relationship's in trouble. I know. Um, and, and the articles and other relationship advice and things you get there would kind of tell you otherwise. That couples that don't fight have serious issues, and it's like, no, they don't. That's just something that... You know, couples that fight wrote and put out to get out there to. <laughs> I think that I, I do. I think it's because most people do fight. Mm-hmm. You don't find people like us that don't fight. Right. And like, we don't have to, you know, agree on the same music that we like and stuff like that. But we're not going to fight about it. Yeah. You know, we're not going to fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, my music is better than yours or whatever. Right. Well, and that, and that was one of the things that her and I would fight about whenever, when I would get in her car, mm-hmm. the rules were, it's my car, we're listening to what I want to, and that's going to be the same shitty band and the same two shitty songs <laughs> over and over and over again the entire time we're in the car. Mm-hmm. And these two shitty songs would rotate once every three or four months. And then the rule was when she was in my car, she was the guest, and so we had to listen to what oh my the gosh. guest wanted to listen to. Oh, man. And you, did you ever say, well, I'm the guest in your car? Oh, yeah, it wouldn't work. Well, that, that's how we would get in the fights. Oh. Is I'd be like, well, you just told me last week you were the guest, so I'm the guest in your car. We're not listening to this crap. And then it would be, it's my car. Do not touch me. You know, so then that would end up in the fight. Jeez. Over something as simple and trivial, Sounds stupid as music, yeah. <laughs> and well, and I, I just thought it was funny, like bringing it up mm-hmm. just between us, because I mean, we like most of the same music, but we've said it before that that is one thing that we don't have in common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like, well, <clears throat> fighting about that, I would think that would be ridiculous, which yeah. it is ridiculous. But people do fight over that dumb right. shit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, but not fighting, and and it is, and I think that yeah, most people like once you do get into that, it is the well, I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. It yeah, it, you you've given care. up. Yeah, you've given up. You don't care, and it's it's not worth fighting for. Uh-huh. Um, and, and even though, for for a good portion of our relationship, we didn't fight that regularly. We had a couple of pretty serious arguments. But it wasn't, you know, a daily or even weekly occurrence that we would fight or argue about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when it started to get worse, it got really worse. <laughs> and then it just stopped. Oh. Because, and it wasn't that we found a solution. Uh-huh. It was just, I was just trying everything I could to avoid the fights and avoid her. Uh-huh. And let her do what she wanted to. And I would kind of segregate myself and do what I wanted to. Um, so we just, it was just kind of playing the odds. Well, if I'm not around her as much, we're not going to fight as much. And then it was just like anything that came up where I realized that if my opinion was different, I could either stand my ground and we could get in a fight and she was ultimately going to do what she wanted to anyway, Mm -hmm. or I could just avoid the fight and just let her do what she wanted to anyway. Mm -hmm. And then it became this, and she used that. I think she even said that to me that, that, well, it's, we don't even fight anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Like it was, and I was like, were, were you happy when we were fighting? fighting? I know. And it was kind of like, well, at least we were talking or something. <laughs> and it's, you know. It's I'm, not talking. My, my personality is, is, I would rather not do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's not helpful or not, you know, I don't find value in doing that at all. Uh-huh. So I would rather not communicate at all than every time we do, we get in a fight. Uh-huh. Um, but she was the opposite of that. And she thought that the... The fighting was, like I said earlier, was still a sign of communication. Uh huh. Well, and with us, like 
we communicate too. We don't, we don't fight. Mm-hmm. We don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's definitely <coughs> different. Um, uh, the next one is you have either told them that you want to leave or you've thought about tolling, telling them mm-hmm. that you want to leave. And I think that this, not to be, because next week we're going to talk about, you know, it's over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's time to move on. Um, not that this is that final point of I'm leaving. This is, if you're the one that wants to leave, maybe you've given that, you've hit a point where it's like, you know what, this has been rough, you know, and and sometimes some of us play chicken, and it's like, well, maybe if it just gets bad enough, they'll be the one that wants to leave and not me. But you've been thinking about it, and and what you find out most of the times in that is you're still just not on the same page, and and I think that that was one of the things that I, I had thought about quite a bit after my previous marriage had ended was... Was she really just trying to force me out for the last four to five years? Yeah. And I was just too stupid to be like, I'm out of here, <laughs> you know? And so I just kept putting up with it. And she was thinking, well, I don't know how much more I can put on this guy. It's, I'm going to end up killing him. <laughs> and yeah. so, so I don't know if that was it or not. I know, well, because you see, like, teenagers do that. Yeah. And they're like, well, if I'm mean to him... Mm-hmm. then he's just going to leave me. Right. And, and you don't think, you wouldn't think that a freaking adult yeah. person would do that. But I think whether you're a teenager or adult, if you're the one on the receiving end of that, that quote-unquote punishment, uh-huh. you're just still like, what's wrong? Uh-huh. What's going on? Why? And you start to kind of change who you are because you're, you're genuinely concerned and you're trying to fix something that somebody else doesn't want to fix. I know. And so you end up looking more desperate and you end up looking more pathetic, especially if you're a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you end up, you know, doing things you normally wouldn't do because you're trying to fix an unfixable problem. But I think that all that being said, it's not when we say that you've thought about leaving or you've told them. I, I think when we, when we say you've told them you want to leave, I really refer back to what you did in your previous relationship where... You really just kind of gave him an ultimatum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm not happy. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. We need to end this. And well, then I it didn't was like, give well, him an ultimatum, though. Because well, I, then why did you stay with him for so many more months after that? Well, I, I, I wasn't the one to like come up with the terms. Okay. You, know? you just said you were done. Because an ultimatum is either you change or, or I leave. Right. I said I want to leave. Well, did you say you wanted to leave so he would come up with terms? Or did you say you wanted to leave and he talked you out of it? He talked me out of it. Why? How was he able to talk you out of it? I, I guess I'll change. And, and he, he talked me out of it because he ended up making me feel bad. Oh, okay. About leaving. Mm-hmm. And about... Which I think that an ultimatum is another... You know, goes goes hand in hand with this. Right. Um, but I, I don't think that I necessarily gave an ultimatum. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people do. I think some people are like, you fix this or I'm out of here. Yeah, or um, Change you better this or... ask me to marry you Yeah. or oh, I'm out yeah. of here. Yeah, we hear that in engagements. Not all the time, but enough uh-huh. to where it's like, well, I'm gonna, I, I gave an ultimatum, I forced it, and and now we're happy. So, yeah. No, you're not. Sure you, you are. Somebody just gave into your hostage negotiation, that's all. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, that, but that, that's what we mean when we say, 
you've thought about leaving or you've brought up leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're one of those boy that cried wolf people that uses divorce as all the time, all the time you know, we stupid. all know you're full of crap. Yeah. <laughs> um, so don't do that. You shouldn't bring it up unless you really, it's, you know, I, I, I don't want to go down the path of suicide stuff, but don't use it as a cry for help. Uh-huh. Don't use it as some way to try to shape somebody up. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, shape your partner up. I yeah. think that's, that's stupid anyway. Right. Well, and one of the things that you know we've talked about, and we see it when people start contemplating leaving or thinking about leaving, if they don't leave, they try to make it look like they sacrificed so much, so much by staying in the relationship. Uh-huh. And I even did that. Well, Seth, why didn't you leave her when you were so miserable at year four or five? Well, I stayed for my son, and I stay, and and we try to make it sound like we made this big sacrifice. But staying nine times out of ten is the easy choice. It is. It's way easier to stay, and it sounds counterintuitive, but it's way easier to stay in a bad marriage than it is to get up, walk away, and leave. It is. I know. And I... Pe- people kind of want this pat on the back, like, "Well, I gutted it out. I stayed in that relationship." It's like, no, you shouldn't have. Uh-huh. You should have pulled chalks and get the heck out of there. Yeah, I and you know me, I always go back to. The Bridges of Madison County. Yep. The movie ended the way it shouldn't have ended. <laughs> yeah, <any>. stupid. So <laughs> freaking stupid. Just freaking leave the guy and go with the one that you love. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think that, that that's where it's, you, you, you're, and I don't know, I don't know how to say it. I don't know if I'd say it was selfish or not, but I, I think, yeah, I think just taking the easy way out is what you did. But if you're the one that gets dumped, you see them leaving as taking the easy way out. Yeah. Well, you walked away from this. You didn't even try. I know. Not knowing what they've contemplated and mentally went through over the last months or years uh-huh. or whatever that was. Um, and I didn't try to pull any type of guilt trip on her whenever. Well, so do you think that, like, I mean, looking back, do you think that she made the right decision to, to like... Well, based on the life I have now, hell yeah. (laughs) I know that. Uh, I know that. No, but like, would you say that um, she did, she didn't have the easy, she didn't take the easy way out? Um, I don't know. I I, I think once again, it's it's kind of based on perspective. At the time, I definitely, yes, thought she was taking the easy way out because there hadn't been... And the reason I thought that was because there hadn't been any attempt to fix the relationship. Mm-hmm. We 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 didn't go to counseling. We didn't go to therapy. We didn't talk about what we were going to do to fix it. It was just, hey, I'm not happy with this. Well, tough shit. I'm not happy with this. Okay, well, tough shit. All right, well, we will agree that we're just going to be miserable and be together. Um, and willingly drifting apart. Mm-hmm. So... At the time, it was definitely, yes, you took the easy way out because you didn't even work on it. And being dumped and seeing somebody that left because she already had a backup plan of who she was going to be with, where she was going to live, what she was going to do. And that kind of leads into what we're getting ready to talk about. But she already had in her mind where she was wanting to go and do Next, now that all fell apart pretty quickly as well. Mm-hmm. But having that, what she thought at the time was her safety net, I think made leaving the easier choice. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I could be wrong. Yeah. I think that she felt there wasn't that big of a risk of, of leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, when you left, you had to, we weren't, we weren't dating. No. We hadn't seen each other really outside of work mm-hmm. to go do anything. We weren't, I mean, we only worked together at the most, what, three days a, three week, days a week, if yeah. that. You know, mm-hmm. she was seeing this guy every day at work. They were probably eating lunch together and spending time with each other and, and looking back at some of the the mysterious things that occurred leading up to that. And I wasn't an idiot. I knew after the fact I found out she who she started seeing that, well, she was seeing this guy on the weekends. This mm-hmm. is this is why when she said she was going out with her friends, this is who she was really with. Um, you and I hadn't headed down that path whenever you left. Yeah. We had been communicating at work. That's it. Yeah. And that was it. Um, and so I think for you it was a little more risky because you didn't really know. You, you had you had to say, I'm giving up the place I have with my partner to go move back in with my parents. Yeah. And that doesn't feel good. And I don't want to do that. But... I don't want to be in this either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it kind of—I think it kind of depends on the situation. Once again, it's perspective. I think if you're the one that's dumped, you're probably usually going to assume that I the know. person took the easy way out. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think that now, going back to what I said earlier, if if it had been this, you know, this anguish of unhappiness and everything that you felt that you were sacrificing because you're in this relationship. Some of it really depends on what you did after the fact. Mm-hmm. Did making that decision improve your life? No, oh, hell yeah, it did. And if it didn't, you made the wrong decision. Yeah. <laughs> you fuck up. But if it did, then you made the right decision. Yeah, I know. I definitely made the right decision. Um, yeah, and so go, leading from that, going into the next one... Mm-hmm. Um, you think about life without your partner, what yeah. it could be like. You, you yeah. And, and, and fantasize. And I, I think that there's a couple of different angles that, that that comes from. I know, and I, I've told you before, that her and I didn't really talk about our future. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we didn't really make, we didn't even make like given assumptions as far as what life together would be like when we were retiring or when even Seth was an adult or as grandparents or... Yeah. You know, or even, you know, him getting married or we didn't, we didn't talk about that or think about that. I don't know if it's because it seemed like it was just so far off in the future or it was just one of those things that subconsciously you just, you knew that you you weren't going to be together that at that point in that life anyway. Uh Um, Maybe the back of your brain knew it before the front of it did or something. But I think that not, not just fantasizing about life without them, but not being able to picture them in there. And, and it's funny because I, I think of the uh, 70s show mm-hmm. when oh, Eric and Donna break up. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> I cry every time for this episode of that 70s show. Well, you cry at the beginning of the next season episode. You usually do okay from the breakup. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, the, but yeah, the beginning of that, the next season. Oh, God. But I'm talking about when they, when they break up uh-huh. on the episode and... He says, he says, well, where do you see yourself in five years? And mm-hmm. she says, well, I don't know. Uh-huh. And she's like, maybe here. And he's like, well, yeah, but when you see that, don't you see us together? And she says, no, uh-huh. I don't see anybody else. And I think that, that that's kind of what I think of as far as it's maybe not even fantasizing about being with someone else or not being your partner. It's just your future vision doesn't 
contain them. Yeah. And I think that if you have a lot of either social activities or other people in your circle that you do a lot of stuff with, that can tend to be the filler for how you see you spending your time in the future. Uh-huh. Not necessarily with someone else. Maybe it's the activity that takes the precedence. Uh-huh. And I think that when you're with the right person, the activity doesn't matter. It's no, who it's you're with. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that that's, that's a big difference of, of, of seeing it. And I know that, that I, I have friends and I've had coworkers and, and people that I've been close to or we've been close to that were, you know, like, well, I've, I've always dreamed of going to Paris. Mm-hmm. I'm a guy, so going to Paris was never a dream of mine. Uh, I probably, not that I wouldn't mind going or wouldn't have mind going, but I don't, I, I was never really like, I've got to go see this place or I've got to go visit this place where I really want to go spend time here. I think there was some that would be like, that'd be nice to see. But I think after being with you, I don't, I really don't think about where we would go together. It's just, I know we're going to go. Where we would go, it's yes. where we go together. Yeah, it's that we would just be doing it together. Uh-huh. And I, but I say that because I've seen friends that are like, oh, well, I've always wanted to go there, and so I'm going with my girlfriends. Yeah. And, you know, our husbands are staying at home, and it's like, you would, you would rather go to the most romantic city in the world with your, your friend than your partner? Yeah. And not even that. I take trips to Newton, Kansas. <laughs> And bring you. you. So we can go to the most non-glamorous. Anybody from Newton? I love your little town, so don't take offense. Well, yeah, and and like the people from Newton, like are like, why did you bring your wife? They're like, why would you bring her here? You're gonna have a real nice dinner at Applebee's. Well, as a matter of fact, that's exactly what we did, and we had a blast. Uh (laughs) But but that's that's the difference of focusing on who you're with, not where you're at. Uh Now we get to throw in some badass trips in there as well to Hawaii and wherever else we want to go. But, um, that, that's, that's the difference is I couldn't imagine taking a trip with anyone else aside from you. Uh And I think as far as, you know, looking at the future or fantasizing, I can't see not just, not, not just saying, well, there's somebody else there, but being there by myself. It ruins the time that you like you have that you do spend by yourself at these places because you wish that your partner was with yep. you. That's always one of the big when when you started traveling with me a lot, going to new places by myself sucked. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go anywhere. I wanted you or to, going to the same places. That yeah, we've I had been to go together. back whenever uh-huh. you and I. And it's like oh, I don't want to go do that again by myself. It's yeah. awful and, <laughs> and things like that. But. Um, I think that th- that's a piece of it, but definitely there is the side of you start fantasizing about doing things and going places without your partner mm-hmm. because of what we've talked about, the dread, the, you know, you're not communicating. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go, and, and, and maybe I look at it from the different perspective of if you're that girl that always wanted to go to Paris and you decided to go with your best friend, mm-hmm. is some of the thought process well, I don't like have sex with my husband anyway, so what would be the point taking the most romantic place? Or they're not a romantic person in the first place. They wouldn't appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so I'll just take my friend who at least appreciates it. Yeah. And and maybe there's a little more thought process behind that laying blame on the person that decides to do that. Because mm-hmm. I think there's 
there's a reason there, you decided yeah. that you didn't want to do that with your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get curious about that with people that I see taking vacations without their partner all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, were you ever going to go do anything together? Why, why would you want to go do that without your partner? Mm-hmm. Well, my partner had to work. They didn't have vacation. Okay, well, I couldn't imagine you just still going and doing that without me. If yeah. I start a new job, well, you don't have enough vacation to go, so me and whoever's going to go without you, mm-hmm. or I'll just go with them this time. And leaving me behind. Yeah, I know. That's messed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think that if, if you're if you're sitting there and, and I would do it. One of the things that, that I would do is I would sit there and wonder what life on my own would look like. Mm-hmm. Like would I be able to get my own place? Could I if I did, what would it look like? What kind of where would I have to live and and you know, could I still drive the car I have if I sold it? And I would start like kind of mentally going over my personal assets mm-hmm. to think about what I would have to get. And I wasn't the one that you know dumped her, mm-hmm. but I would sit there and start kind of daydreaming about what life would look like in this manner. And then I would start thinking about you know if I if I moved back to Oklahoma, being single, you know who I could reconnect with. Whether and I don't mean like an ex girlfriend or anything, but like my friends and what we would be able to do together and the time we spent together and, and what we'd be able to do because. I'd missed out on doing that for, you know, 12 years or whatever it was. And then, then that does morph into, well, I wonder, I wonder what my ex is doing yeah. and from, from high school. I wonder if their life's happy. And you look at their Facebook or, or whatever, MySpace at the time, yeah. I guess. And, uh-huh. and it was like, well, they look the same kind of carbon cut that I was, so maybe they're not as happy as me. I wonder if I reached out to them, even though they're married, if they'd meet me for coffee. You know, and, and you start thinking about these weird little... Scenarios. scenarios just because you're so unhappy with what you're who you're with and and where you're at and what you're doing mm-hmm. um and your mind just starts to wonder yeah. because it knows you have a hole and there's a gap there that isn't being filled with with love and attention and sex and communication and all the other stuff we've talked about mm-hmm. and so you start trying to figure out other ways you can get that uh-huh. and then you start fantasizing about this life um, away from your partner. Yeah. I think that this one is funny because for me, I think that it was the exact opposite. I didn't really fantasize about what it would be like without him. Mm -hmm. I looked at what it would be like with him. Oh. And what... How bad how it, bad it be. was going to be. Right. And do I really want to be with someone like this yeah. for the rest of my life? Well, and... Unfortunately, I think that's a rare perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people don't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that brings up a really good point of, you know, we, 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 we use words like evaluation and reflection and things like that. But I think that that's, that's it. I mean, and, and I talk about it with relationships or money or fitness or whatever. Anything that I know takes commitment or long-term practice for results is where are you going to be in five years? Mm -hmm. And if you have a really horrible quality of life with your current partner, why do you think it's going to be any better in in five five years? years. Just because time passes doesn't mean things improve. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest idiotic things I see in a lot of the current young adult generation is, well, someday I'll have a great job. Yeah, Someday I'll have a house. Someday I'll be happily married 
someday I'll get to go. And, and we see it when we travel. Oh, I've always wanted to go there. One of these days I'm going to go there. And No, you're not. Uh-huh. Because you're, you're with somebody that isn't going to be anything. Uh-huh. You guys aren't growing as a couple. You aren't saving, making good decisions or money. And you're not going to have that life. And, and I wish more people would look at it from the perspective that you did. Mm-hmm. Of if I continue down this path, what is my life going to look like in five years realistically? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that reality checks are very much needed in people's life that are investing in the wrong accounts yeah. of relationships they have. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a partner or a spouse. It can be family or parents yeah, or brothers friends, or sisters or, or friends uh-huh. or or anybody, but if you continue down that path, where are you going to be in yeah. five years? And if you have this vision or this goal of what you want to do or where you want to take vacation or how much money you want to have or whatever house you want to own, if you need to start making steps to improve that today. Now. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that that's, but that, that's one of the things that I see people that it's like, how are you not looking at it that way? How are you with this idiot right now that you're spending time and emotion and care and attention to, and you know, we all know how it's going to end. We all know you're not going to be happy. We all know you're completely wasting your time. And it's I because don't, of the hope. It's because yeah. of the hope that someone is going to get better and find a better job or... You know, mm-hmm. do something with their life. Go to go back to school or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's because the hope hope is just mm-hmm. one of the biggest pieces in in relationship and failing relationships. Yeah. Mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is pretty big, and we we thought about not putting this one on there because. Mm-hmm. We feel that... It would be the end. Yeah. It wouldn't be the beginning of the end. It would be, that's it, it's over. Uh-huh. And that's cheating. Yeah. Yeah, I... Neither one of us, we couldn't... I couldn't get past that. Yeah. And I, I, I do not understand how people do get past it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even being in high school and going through that, obviously I did not end up with my high school sweetheart, so I was not able to get past that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I don't, I don't see how, how grown adults that know better um, can get past that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't understand what bargain or deal you make in your own mind that you really truly feel you're going to be able to push that down deep enough that it's not going to rear its head and it's not going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that you can truly get past it. I don't, I don't think you can. I really don't. And... We've talked to people that were convinced that they had, but ultimately they didn't. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's just one of those things where, you know, your therapist or whatever tells you, just put it out of your mind. We're going to back it out. We have to move forward from here. And and you're almost like brainwashed to the point that it's not that big of a deal or you you seem to think that it's going to get better Mm -hmm. or... Or the terms like, well, it's like losing someone. It really hurts right now, but the hurt will start to go away. Yeah, but you never trust that person. Ever. Yep. And I think that when, I don't know, like you see on on the marriage websites, the other Facebook pages and stuff that Mm -hmm. a lot of these people follow, 
and you see, you know, if you, if you pray about it, if you bring God into your life and, and all that, that you can get past it. But I don't know. I mean, I have... Well, and forgiveness and trust are two different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's anytime you're betrayed, even if it's not by your partner, by anybody. Yes, you, you can forgive pretty quickly, but your trust, mm-hmm. you, you can't... I don't think you can fully ever trust them again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, unless people are just really good at suppressing things, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you could even get the the visual out of your head or the scenario out of your head or anything. It just seems like it would be a haunting experience. And I, I've talked to guys that had cheated and got caught, and they ended the relationship. And they were like, my life would have been hell trying to rebuild the trust that I was never going to get back again. So it was better to walk away. And when you have somebody that that was the perpetrator and the one that did break the trust saying, yeah, I realize it's not even worth it to stay after you get caught. What does that say about the people that stay after they were cheated on? I know. I just, I don't understand how they... I don't either. How they fully get past it and and how and, and how they can function realistically, not at in public, not on social media. I mean behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Something is negatively affected forever. Mm-hmm. Whether it's sex or communication or self esteem. Your life has in your marriage and relationship has been completely altered for the worst. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess people just look at it and say, well, this is our new worst relationship, and let's just both agree to be in it together. And it's like, well, why? Why would you do that? I, I, I don't know. And, and I talk about forgiveness and trust. I'm not a forgiving person, so I probably <laughs> wouldn't forgive you or trust you again. <laughs> so it would be a double whammy. But I think that I, I, I just I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get how, how other people's minds and emotions, and, and people come at you like, well, there's more to it than that. We have kids together, or uh, you know, I don't have a job, and they're the breadwinner. And what was I supposed to do? And you, you're not going to give an excuse though. or a reason. That I'm going to be like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. You're not going to give me one. I know. Well, and we've talked about you know wanting to to get a couple on the podcast to talk about mm-hmm. that with us. I think that that would be, you know, we have some questions. Yeah. To, for you to answer for us and probably for everyone else in that situation because we personally haven't haven't had to deal with that with mm-hmm. either one of our relationships being to forgive anyway right forgive and forget yeah yeah if if you're a couple out there that you have been cheated on and cheated, I don't want to talk to one of you I want to talk to both of you yeah because I want to see this renewed perfect happy marriage that you're supposed to have after you. I guess perfect is a bad word, but this new, renewed, happy, forgiving, we're moving forward, not focused on the past relationship, because I have some very tough questions that I would like to ask, because I'm not buying it. Mm -hmm. I really am not buying it. I don't think it's real. Yeah. Yeah, please, please let us know. Prove me wrong. Reach out and let me know. And I'm I'm honest about that. I would really like to know Uh what you did to get past that to where it's not a problem. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be a problem. It's never going to rear its ugly head again. You have trust and happiness. You have a healthy sex life. You 
have date nights, you do things together, you truly care about one another and love each other and have a great time together and look forward to seeing each other and for all intents and purposes, have an extremely happy, healthy relationship in every aspect. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the criteria. To prove me wrong. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, to prove me wrong. I guess there's a lot yeah. of marriages that they haven't cheated on, they don't have that. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. That's going to be pretty hard to find, I think. But, I don't know, even someone that, that has been cheated on and you, you think that you have forgiven your partner, we still would like to, even if you're not as happy as Seth wants you to be, <laughs> and for his criteria, I would still like to, to hear that story, too. Um, but the last one that we have on our list is... Um, bringing up therapy or going to therapy. Mm -hmm. and, and this is another one that I, I would really like to hear from somebody. Uh, my ex and I went to one therapy session when we, the beginning of the end. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I didn't even think about that until I just now started saying it. But we went to one, th and it's funny because I just said the last 10 years, went to one therapy session about our two-year mark. Really? And we both took something completely different. And if you put her and I in a room right now and ask both of us, what did the therapist say? We will both have two completely different answers. Uh, and I didn't realize how differently we took it. And of course, I will still think to this day that I was right, and she will still think to this day she was right. Mm -hmm. um, so unless you ask the therapist, who knows? I mean, I know, because I know I was right. But to prove her wrong, <laughs> I don't know what it was. But we went to one therapy session, and yeah, we both came out with a totally different, not really even perspective. We, we were convinced that we each heard him say something that obviously he did not say, but I don't know who's wrong. Mm -hmm. She's wrong, but yeah. I, I can't prove it. <laughs> yeah. And I already said that I couldn't get to go to therapy when things started to get bad, and... and it was one of those where, you know, it, it was the beginning. And not, I don't know if it's because we did therapy, I would say it's the beginning of the end. It was just kind of coincidental in the timing aspect that that I bring up and when I can look back at when things start to go downhill. But it's almost like you, when you hit a point where, you know, you realize you need help yeah. or you realize it's bad. And I think that it's not necessarily that, taking the step to therapy is bad. It's that you need to acknowledge and have the realization that you've hit some sort of breaking point where you need a third party to fix something that's broken. Help you. Yeah. Uh -huh, with it. And that should be a sign this beginning. Not that it's for sure definite going to end now and you're in therapy and you're wasting your time, which I think that's debatable, but it's really just the realization that we are not in control or we don't feel in control. I think you're both most certainly in control, but you don't feel in control of where your relationship or your marriage is going and you need somebody to help you get it back on track. Mm -hmm. um, that that should be a pretty good sign or symbol that, you know, obviously you recognize there's issues because you need to put it out there, but I, I think some people feel that therapy helps. I think some people feel that, um, that it can turn their relationship around. Once again, I, I think that some of it's case by case. I think yeah. that it depends. I think that if, if you have two partners where one of them really wants to work on it, another one finally realizes, you know what, this is. if it's a problem with them, I understand that it's an issue and I'm going to put forth more effort. Mm -hmm. 
that's compromise, yeah. and that's what you should do. And but then uh, there's a lot of couples that don't. One of them wants to go to therapy, and the other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then they're they force them to go to therapy, and they're like, "Yeah, they're not going to get anything out they're, of it anyway." Yeah, they're yeah. not. They're just sitting there, rolling their eyes through the session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they get defensive. And that was one of the things that she had said whenever I had brought it up before. Well, do you want to try to go back to marriage counseling or something like that? Well. The first time just didn't go good because you think he said that and I think he said that. And you just want somebody to tell me that I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you're right. That's that's exactly what I want to do because I think how you're acting is wrong. And I think that that's unfair and that's not the correct mentality you should have going into therapy. And so I, I'm not suggesting taking that route. But yeah, that was part of my ulterior motive to it was because... I thought what she was doing, how she was acting, how she was behaving was inappropriate. And she wasn't listening to me. And she wasn't listening to friends we had or other people or even coworkers that didn't really even know me tell her, mm-hmm. well, you shouldn't do that. You know, I wouldn't do that to my partner. Yeah. Um, and so it was just kind of like maybe if a stranger tells her, because I, I had the mentality if I'd say, well, you know, you need to, you know, you should save this amount of money every month if you want to do this. That's stupid. No, I'm not going to listen to it. And then she'd come home and be like, hey, so-and-so at work said, and she would repeat what I said. I'm like, yeah, I just told you that. She said, no, you didn't. So I, with those type of conversations and her personality, I thought, well, if somebody that's not me tells her, that's fine. And I even had a point, I was like, you can pick, I was so confident that if we put her, if she was honest about what she had done and how she was acting, it wouldn't matter who the therapist was. Mm-hmm. They would still be like, you need special sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, it, we, we, of course, we never went down any of that path because she was fearful someone was going to tell her she was wrong. Uh-huh. Um, and I understand that. I mean, that's probably how I would have been if I knew I was doing something. And, and if you knew she you never denied that what she was doing was wrong. Really? Yeah. She admitted, and I think that that was kind of part of it. Was well, I, I admit I've got a problem. Just I don't want to fix it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that she felt bad for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but I, I think that you know when when it comes to therapy, I think it, it if it's going to be successful and it's going to work, it has to take You're both two people that are very open and want to fix the solution, uh-huh. not somebody that's dragged into it doing it they don't want to, uh-huh. or they go into it with a negative attitude. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah. you're just bound and determined to not agree with it at all. Yeah. You both need to agree that you want, that that's what you want to do. And mm-hmm. you want to, you want to make the marriage work or relationship work. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's our 10 things for the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we'll kind of go over them. One is you don't share. Um, you don't share anything with your partner. Two is you lose respect. Mm-hmm. Three, lack of sex. Uh, four, one-sided. Only one person is trying to save it. And five, you dread being with your partner or doing anything with your partner. Or hearing from them. Or, yeah, hearing from them. Six, you constantly fight. Seven, um, you've told them about leaving or have thought about telling them about leaving. Eight, you think about life without your partner. Nine, they've cheated, or you've cheated, and ten, therapy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I hope that you all enjoyed our, our episode today. 
And again, as always, thank you for listening. Um, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, uh, ring the little bell on YouTube and uh, follow us on SoundCloud. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you.